Welcome, everyone, to the Religion Unplugged podcast, which is your regular plug-in for all religion, news, and culture. And with me today, I have the uh, fantastic Dr. Caroline Weber, uh, the creative, the kind, the charismatic uh, Caroline Weber, uh, author of the book uh, Surprised by Oxford, which is now uh, being turned into a feature film on limited release um, uh, September 27th and October 1st. Um, uh, welcome uh, to the show, uh, Dr. Weber. Uh, could you um, uh, just introduce yourself a little bit more to the audience and and um, let them know uh, who you are and what you do a little bit? Oh, okay, thank you so much, Joseph. That was a fabulous introduction and I love the alliteration. <laughs> it's one of my top five skills. <laughs> it's odd. Well, it's a great skill to have. <laughs> um, I guess in short, uh, I grew up in Canada and um, and studied in England at Oxford University and where I became a Christian eventually. Uh, I grew up without much of a faith, just kind of a loosely um, Catholic background. And, uh, and eventually explored the faith and became a Christian there and have since lived primarily in the U.S. We had some time back in Canada. I'm married to an American and have four children. And I've been a professor of English literature for, gosh, 30 years. Um, I'm old, <laughs> <laughs> very old. And, uh, and I love um, the intersection of faith and literature, those kind of ideas and topics. That's fantastic. So um, yes. So yeah, for people who you know don't know your story, aren't familiar with the film, it does it is, you know, it does follow basically the story you laid out about you know um, they the movie gives a, a pseudonym uh, to the character uh, Carol Drake, but it's basically that story of having you know a not faith upbringing and a very kind of closed off independent spirit from from the world, and then going um, uh, to Oxford. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, the place, you know, which has its own mystique, but then for Christians has its own the mystique of that's where uh, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien, you know, uh, you know, that's met true. and had there. Uh, mm-hmm. And and so what what was it about um, your story? Because not everybody looks at their life and says, oh, this needs to be a book that other people should read. Or if they do, right. uh, they don't they don't actually sit down and do it. So what was it that made you say my story is one that I want to share with other people. Well, that's a great question. And it's actually Lewis himself who says, when we look back on our lives, we can see God's hand plotting it for each of Mm. us. Um, I never anticipated writing a memoir ever. I was an academic, did a lot of academic writing. Um, But over the years, talking to students, um, sharing my my faith, uh, I I was nudged quite often to write this story Mm. in that way. And, And at the time, actually, I was coming up for tenure. I started taking it more seriously, wrote sort of an opening couple of chapters and had been forewarned not to share my story about my Christian faith until I was tenured, um, until I had (laughs) job security in secular academia. Uh, And so I took that to heart. uh, And then actually, I think it was after having um, uh, my first baby and then my twins, I thought, you know what, life is too short. I'm going to actually do this on my first sabbatical. And so I did do that with the security of tenure at that point. But um, I really wrote it from my heart for, uh, you know, Joseph, for my unbelieving friends and family. Mm. Um, I didn't anticipate it being, a, you know, a largely read book. But I just I really wrote it from my heart on that time that I had uh, to, you know, off from teaching and off from academic studies where I said I was going to write something academic, but I actually wrote this instead. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, you know, a largely kind of like your story of your coming to faith that was 
kind of your passion about how uh, mm-hmm. showing how that was. And I guess I say, yeah, I haven't read your book. Be perfectly honest. I've watched the movie. I haven't read your book. That's all right. It's long. <laughs> it's longer than it should have been. So you're you're absolutely uh, understandable. I'm compelled enough by the story. Yeah, I'm compelled enough by the story that I definitely I, I have ambitions to read it uh, at some points. Um, the movie. What's interesting oh, about the well, you have to let me know what you think. <laughs> um, one of the um, the movie is interesting because it does you know it's it's kind of like you know a cross between a faith based film and a Hallmark movie, which you know it sounds good on paper. I don't think it works as often in the movie as I'd like it to, but that's just my opinion. Uh, but I do. Mm-hmm. A light, but um, they you know it does the story that is follows does follow the sort of, you know the you know coming to faith and coming to with through kind of being, you know encountering different ways of looking at faith than you did growing up and then having you know developing a romantic interest in somebody who is a Christian you know f- just briefly kind of like what was the thing about because like most people like they think about going to university is where you might lose your faith <laughs> you know so what was it about Absolutely. like going to <laughs> oxford and the relationships you made there that were um that that were formative in that way um, well, absolutely. I think that that was one of the reasons why I wanted to write it was to show that, you know, faith and intellect are not in an uh, in, in, in antithetical relationship to each other. Right. There, there's actually a very rich Christian tradition, intellectual tradition, and that much of the faith really does make sense. Um, but uh, I think part of arriving at Oxford University, being a North American, you're probably aware of this, too. Right, Joseph, is we're always racing. We're always racing, mm-hmm. especially, I think, as students. We're so distracted and busy and it's such an opiate of busyness. And when I got to Oxford, of course, there's a high, a high demand placed on you to do your academic work, reading and whatnot. But there's also really a contemplative culture and a culture of conversation, going mm. to pubs, taking time to walk with your friends, talk and think. It's very much built into the life there um, as part of digesting these ideas. And I felt like a hummingbird that had hit the glass hard. You know, I was working multiple jobs growing up. I was supporting my family, a broken family without a father. Um, I was trying to keep straight A's, that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, and I think, um, I think the film alludes to that, but doesn't always show that, uh, how for many of us, we can actually be struggling quite a bit more than people realize. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's everyone's story in many ways, just (laughs) in different ways, right? We never know what somebody is carrying. And so to get there and to actually have the time to think, Mm -hmm. I was not allowed to work the first year or two of my studies because Mm. the British Academy has this crazy idea that students should be students um, (laughs) and actually think thoughts and be responsible for them and follow them through and have fellowship and friendship. And, and so I was, I I mean, we're sort of faced with our own selves, right? Both Mm. that mountain and that abyss uh, when we are actually um, allowed to sit with the questions that matter. Great. That's really interesting. So you were able to like sit with some of those more meaningful questions and allowed in space to do that. And that actually allowed you to um, encounter faith more deeply than. Right. And to meet a stripe of people, Christians from all over the world, graduate studies, there is particularly cosmopolitan, right? You know, the, the mm. Britain is a commonwealth. So we have this idea that, oh, Oxford must be full of very wealthy students that have somehow elbowed their ways in through their parents or whatnot. But that's not the case, especially for graduate studies. People are coming from all walks of life and some actually from very poor things. I was on a Commonwealth scholarship. So many of my colleagues were, were African, whatnot, you know, from all mm. over. And, but to meet Christians from Germany and Africa and 
countries of persecution in all sorts of places, all sorts of walks and stripes in addition to North American Christians and people who were walking their talk, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean they're perfect, but they're Mm -hmm. trying or they have a way in which they're living their lives according to this faith in this, in this idea larger than themselves. And, and I had never actually seen that up close. I was a perfect Mm -hmm. example of someone who could go through public school education for 20 years without cracking open a Bible, (laughs) whose idea of, um, had no concept of the gospel as a personal relationship with Jesus at all, really had no idea of who Jesus was per se outside of, you know, big haired TV evangelists who take your money. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. That that's, that is often kind of a fine people who come to faith sort of later in life. I mean, by later I meant life. I mean, you know, like when they're young people off at university is Mm -hmm. that it's like, Oh, I've never actually encountered this before. Um, right. Yeah. There's the flip side for people who didn't grow up with a faith. Yeah. And conversely, if you have grown up with a faith, universities opening up this whole other vista of experiences as are other things that you might yeah. not go to college, but you might work with coworkers or whatever right. else, right. As you enter into adulthood and, and it's about making your faith your own, right. That's the personal relationship part. It's not throwing the baby out with a baptism water per se. <laughs> <laughs> I have not heard it quite put that way before. That's fun. Um, Another aspect of this that I'll be interested in seeing how, you know, how much this is reflected in um, in your actual real story as it was in the movie. But another parallel track there was sort of, you know, the being coming reconciled to God, but also sort of becoming reconciled to men and being able to have, you know, positive relationships with men is something that's good. They do a lot and that's reflected a lot in the movie. And what's funny watching it is that coming out this year, it very much felt to me like the anti-Barbie film. Just because that film, I don't know if you watched the movie. Interesting. I haven't seen that yet. Just because, you know, having watched both and I'm not, this is not shade on, you know, the Barbie film. You can read my other review for that. But is that the story is very much about, um, you know, is about sort of creating a split between the sexes and saying like, okay, Mm -hmm. here's, you know, there really isn't anything good or innate about having positive male-female relationships and the evils of the patriarchy give reason that there should maybe be a split that's healthier. And so, Mm -hmm. and yours is very much the opposite, where it's like you start out with all the darkest reasons to be resentful of men and then slowly getting reconciled um, to some positive relationships with some men. So, like, what... What was that process like for you, if that's reflective at all, you know, reflective of your story? Mm-hmm. Well, that's, um, wow, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> you got five minutes. Thanks, no, thanks a lot, Jarson. Oh, my goodness. Um, and I can see why my students have been clamoring me for, to watch the Barbie film, and I've been meaning to do that. Uh, I, I think the slippery slope for any of us, right, is seeking our savior on anything except him. Yes. So, and we expect the other... Um, gender, regardless of how we might define that now, as being the answer for our completeness. Mm. Uh, and the Bible's never taught that mm. at all, right? I mean, it, it really does emphasize, you know, that Jesus knows the hearts of men. We are going to disappoint each other as much as we also are going to love each other and bring each other joy, but we are ultimately going to disappoint each other. And we have to have that primary relationship in Christ first. Mm. We're so you know, so-called married to him first. And that sounded like really creepy language to me before I was a Christian, the whole bride, bride of the church. I mean, that really evokes, you know, bride of Frankenstein and something all, you know, (laughs) lurching at you in black and white, but there's, 
really that truth of being grounded in that relationship first, knowing that steadfast love resting in it, because we lose sight of it. it. You know, we have consolation and desolation, as Lewis says, we move in and out of it all the time. We can't leave, keep it in our line of vision in this fallen world, but creating that relationship and, and resting in that first and working from there first allows us to extend love and compassion to other people as well as ourselves. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much. This has been a great interview. It's been way too short, but I know you're very Aww. busy. What, um, what would you like people to get out most from this movie as a final question uh, if, if, and your book? If, if people could get one thing out of your story, what would you have to do? Um, well, thank you, Joseph, for having me here. I think it would just be to be able to sit with those questions hmm. that are within each of us, to know it's safe to ask them. If you're a Christian or a believer, that you um, our God is not a fragile God. You can mm-hmm. ask any questions and mm-hmm. it won't break him. But also if you're not, that you would just be able to think about the questions that really matter, the ones that we're often distracted by with so many things in our culture, and that it would be a gentle invitation to that table. Fantastic. Well, um, you can see more of, uh, you can read uh, Dr. Caroline Weber's book for yourself, Surprised by Oxford. And then, of course, if you want to see the movie, you can see that it's um, it's in limited release uh, September 27th and October 1st. And I'm sure it will be out on DVD uh, and streaming uh, soon after. Um, thank you so much again uh, for joining us, Dr. Weber. And thank you all for joining us. Uh, once again, we are Religion Unplugged for your regular religion news and culture. <laughs>